Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 68 of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Our show today is brought to you by Tech Blog Builder. Tech Blog Builder is the blog writing service for IT businesses. With Tech Blog Builder, you can get consistent, well-written, search engine-optimized blog posts published directly to your website for an affordable and predictable monthly subscription. Learn more at techblogbuilder.com. On today's show, Paco interviews me about how to optimize your website's blog posts. We talk about how to structure your posts, how long they should be, what's a meta description, and are white label content providers a good idea? Plus, Paco clues us in on how he's using a site called Have I Been Pwned to help market his new services to his customers. All that and so much more coming up right now. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to the Computer Business Marketing Show. If you own or work in an IT services business, this is the place to learn how to get more clients, keep them happy, and grow your revenue. You can watch, download, and or subscribe to all show episodes at computerbusinessmarketing.com. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Just be sure to like the Tech Site Builder Facebook page, click on the following tab, and select See First to, so that the live stream will jump to the top of the feed. Awesome. So uh, welcome to another episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. As always, have my uh, co-host partner in crime, Paco LeBron here. Uh, and we would you know, love to see you guys in the live show. We just spent about 15 minutes talking about office spaces and co-working spaces and, and uh, talking to the folks in the chat about their experiences and, and figuring out um, you know, what's the best uh, deal where that's concerned. Um, so that's always kind of something you can uh, expect to to join in on with the live shows uh, if you join us on Facebook. So we definitely love to see you guys there. Um, so today we we uh, the guests are ourselves. Actually, it's me. Uh, Paco is going to be kind of interviewing me and picking my brain about how to optimize your blog for your your website. So you know we we talk about how it's important to have a blog for your website. Uh, and we've talked about some of the reasons why that is. And now we're going to kind of dig a little bit deeper and find out how to optimize those blog posts once you have them written and you have them on your website. Um, you know, what do you do with them and how do you get the most out of them? So I look forward to uh, to getting on the hot seat with Paco on that one. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, Paco, what's been going on in your world lately? Uh, a lot of catch up. So the Labor Day weekend kind of... Uh was although great in Chicago, it rained all the Labor Day weekend. So I couldn't really do much um, that I wanted to. But so coming in on Tuesday, it was a lot of catch up. And unfortunately, one of my clients had an issue where she fell victim to um, the uh, CEO scam, where the CEO sent an email saying, hey, update these uh, wiring information for the deposits. And mm. she didn't realize it until it was it was too late and ended up, you know, wiring that money out. So I got an email, an email on Monday night, frantically letting me know, hey, look, I just need to make sure nothing's on my machine, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of walk her through what she needed to do, which those who haven't had this problem with your clients, for, uh, if you haven't had this with your client yet, the good thing you want to make sure you let them know is obviously to keep calm, call the the FBI, call the Federal Trade uh, Trade Commissions to make sure that they have that all uh, taken care of. 
I used to suggest calling Homeland Security because that was a tip that was provided by uh, Matt Rainey uh, quite a few years ago. Um, and I know he said that he had a contact in case something like that happened. My client actually called Homeland Security, and they were actually bouncing her back to the FBI to do so. Mm. So um, just something updated in case um, in the event Matt Rainey hears this and needs to update it, or if it's specifically to his contact, obviously we'll update this as it kind of goes along. And yeah, just you know, better education, kind of just looking at emails, making sure you know teaching and education on how the emails are coming through, and then we kind of just ran through that whole gambit, but. It's just interesting that that happened because I've been on a big pitch lately where that's been happening a lot in the real estate industry, and it's been really kicking up in the last month or two, and it was one of my pitches in the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce's uh, program that I was in. So hearing it happen just proves that I'm on, you know, for me to keep going on and, and figuring out how to be consistent in that message is kind of my next marketing plan for Q4. Uh, coming up here shortly. So I'm going to start marketing everything on that specifically. Um, So that's that. The other piece of it is what I learned from the conference is using the site, have I been pawn.com and basically using emails for, I'm doing a two pronged approach. First prong is basically clients. I've been telling over and over again to make sure that they change their passwords and they weren't listening to me thinking that it was nothing. I ended up, Doing that, going and snag it, screenshot, doing a rolling screenshot in a PDF, emailing them and saying, look, if whatever password you used on these things, you no longer can use them because they can now attack and do whatever they want into your system. I had a case study of a client that has happened to, which we talked about last week. Change your password. <laughs> so that's been drumming up some training uh, programs, uh, password management services and things like that. Um, as far as password manager recommendations that Moses had actually just posted, I personally use LastPass. However, um, Michael Sherwood over at Malwarebytes and on HaveIBeenPawn.com actually suggest one password. I believe is the password manager. And the cool part about one password is it since it integrates with Have I Been Pawned it will actually tell the user that this has been a compromised password to change it. So I haven't physically seen that yet, but I think I'm going to start investing my time in using that password manager and seeing the difference. But that may be the password manager I actually move to in this whole stream of things because I want to eat my own dog food and make sure that I'm going to be spreading the right word for it. So that's kind of what I've been doing from on that one prong. And then the other prong is basically for all the emails that I sent as an introduction uh, in the area, I'm sending now a second wave of emails saying, hey, not a sales pitch. Just want to let you know you may want to change your credentials. Don't want you to be in the news. Here's what's going on. And then I've had a couple of actually reply saying, hey, what can I do? And we just started that conversation moving forward. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I'm I'm I'd, I'll be interested to hear what you think about one password as well, because I'm pretty pretty well entrenched with LastPass, and yeah. I have like some some of my team members I you know sharing um, logins and stuff. And, uh, so, but Hey, if, if, uh, if the, um, you know, the reasons to switch are strong enough, then I might consider it. You know, yeah. I'm happy with LastPass, but it, it can, it has its quirks sometimes. And, right. and if there's a easier way to do things, I'm, I'm all ears. Right. And there's, and there's plenty of them. There's LastPass, there's Dashlane, 
Um, I think John Dubinsky uses one that's called, um, I couldn't even lie to you if I wanted to. It's another <laughs> password manager that he uses as well. I mean, there's so many that are out there. So pick your flavor. Yeah. Um, there's not a right or wrong answer. Um, this one just may be a little bit easier to help as a sale and also will help the user as well, kind of seeing it in their face in case they do see something might prompt a call for them to call you and get you some uh, hours or consulting time with them. Well, and, and I know, you know, that there's not a right or wrong answer, but I know that not all password managers are created equal. Um, I know like on security now, they recommend LastPass because of the type of encryption it uses and like the, the technology that's behind um, the the way that they deliver the passwords and stuff and it's super secure. Um, and that's, you know, that's important because of course that's where you're storing all your passwords and you right. want to make sure that the, the, the service that's doing that is, it knows what they're doing and, uh, aren't going to get hacked themselves. Greg uses a RoboForm. He said, yep, that's another one. Yeah, there, there are a lot out there. So it's, it's one of those things, you know, do your homework, um, go, look for someone you trust in the industry who, who like reviews these things, um, to kind of follow and and see what they think, including our man Paco here. And, uh, and then use that, you know, to make an informed decision. So one thing, as Greg said, yes, LastPass was breached, but if you look at the details notes of that breach, they were only able to get into a way where nothing was compromised. I can't specifically remember what the technical form of what layer that they tried to get through, but the way that it was designed, yes, they were breached, but nothing was exposed. Right. And yeah. And it was like a very, the way it was set up, it would be very a rare circumstance to where someone was actually affected by that. Um, but yeah, I mean, a good it, you point. know, any, a very good any, point. yeah, good, good to bring that up. Cause, cause any of these companies can, you know, be breached or have issues and, and definitely want to get all that out into the open. Yep. Cool. So, um, before we jump into, um, the feature topic today, just want to, uh, Talk about our sponsor, and the sponsor ties perfectly into the topic today. That is Tech Blog Builder. Tech Blog Builder is the place you can go to get uh, blog posts written for your computer business website. Um, so, you know, if you're having trouble getting new clients, or if you're having trouble getting the word out about your business, or people aren't finding your website, or when they find your website, they're not contacting you. That could be because you you have an authority issue or you have a trust issue. And one of the best ways to establish authority and trust is through, through regular blog posting. Uh, publishing regular blog posts is one of the most effective ways to attract a following of those potential customers and then build loyalty with them among, and among your existing clients. So you can use the posts that uh, from Tech Blog Builder on your website, in your newsletter. You can post them to social media, share them to social media. You can create videos around them, put them in ads, etc. Once we write a post for your website, the post belongs to you. That content is yours, and you can do whatever you want with it. It's handcrafted for your business, so the content is unique. It's not, uh, you know, some cookie cutter content that we give to all of our clients. It's unique to your business. Uh, it's written in the voice of your business. And, you know, if you are targeting business clients, then it's going to be very formal writing. If you target residential clients, then it's going to be more informal and kind of friendly uh, in its tone. Um, and we, you know, we look to you to kind of give us that guidance. And then we take over and write the blog post in your voice. Um, with Tech Blog Builder, you can get those consistent, well-written, search engine optimized blog posts published directly on your website 
So um, it's totally hands off for you. And it's uh, at an affordable and predictable monthly subscription. So head on over to techblogbuilder.com. Check out the details there. And, uh, and you can get uh, those blog posts written for your blog so you can uh, just not worry about that content. Get back to what you do well, which is fixing computers, consulting with clients, selling your, your services, and leave the writing to a professional copywriter with Tech Blog Builder. Also, don't want to forget to uh, remind you guys to uh, sign up for the Computer Business Marketing Newsletter. Just head on over to computerbusinessmarketing.com and you can sign up for the newsletter there. It's a weekly digest of tips and tricks on how to market your IT services business. We start off with uh, the weekly link to the weekly podcast in case you missed the live stream in Facebook uh, or you're not subscribed through iTunes. You can catch up with the latest podcast in uh, that email. Uh, we also provide a curated list of the latest blog posts from around the internet that uh, are specifically uh, can help your computer business and can help you market your computer business. And then uh, we end the newsletter with um, some of the some of our favorite posts from the uh, computer business marketing Facebook group and a tip of the week. It's either a quote or some kind of tidbit that I learned uh, that can help kind of get you motivated for the week ahead. Um, all that for free uh, by going to Computer Business Marketing and signing up for the newsletter there. All right, so let's jump into the featured topic, which is going to be about how to optimize your blog for your website. So um, the way we'll do this is I'll kind of, you know, let Paco kind of ask me questions that he's been wondering about. Also, you guys in Facebook, if you want to ask, ask me questions about optimizing your blog as well. Uh, we can kind of kick things off with that. So what you got for me, Paco? Yep. So, you know, as everyone kind of thinks about blogs, it's one of those where it's, you think you just put some writing up, you put the post on and everything's good to go. And we always hear the phrase that, you know, blog blogging is what will always help your SEO and you getting noticed on the World Wide Web, specifically on search engines and things like that. So I've been on this optimizing kick and just trying to figure out how to properly optimize a blog. Now, one of the questions that I always hear, and this is something that you can answer, is with blog content, they always mention that the headers are very important. Is there a, the question would be, is using too many headers, will it hurt? the content of a blog. So, and by headers, what I mean is that sometimes you'll have, you'll type out your content or you use your content and then the title will always be a H one uh, header. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then you have H two and you kind of go through that route um, is having too many of those. Will it hurt the traffic or the SEO for the blog or having too many, let's say like H twos. And because they're in a different order, will that also cause any issues with uh organic reach slash SEO. Right. So, um, so for those who don't know who are listening, kind of the way that websites are structured in the code, um, anytime you have like a heading or a headline that, you know, separates like some sections of a blog post, um, it's usually bigger text and it's bold and it's kind of stands out. And you do that in the, in the code using what are called header tags. Um, and the tags are either H1 for the main headline, H2 for a sub headline, H3 for like a sub sub headline. And then you could go all the way down to like H6 
is typically as far down as you'll go with the headers. Um, and so, you know, often you'll hear in SEO advice that you want to make sure that you include, you know, a decent amount of, of headers in your content and that you, you know, make sure to try to put your, the keyword that you're trying to target with, with that particular page in a few of those headers. Because when Google is crawling a, a particular website, it looks to those headers to kind of see the structure of the page and to see the, the topics that that page is talking about. So anytime it sees in one of those H tags, it thinks, well, hey, this, this information must be important. This information must be uh, what this post is about. So it's going to use that when it decides the relevancy of your post, where to put it when people search in the search engines and stuff like that. So, so that's definitely good, solid advice. You want to have a certain amount of headers on your page. Um, some best practices for headers is you want to generally follow um, a, a logical structure, meaning the the highest level header, which is H1, should be at the top. It should be your title. Um, any other headers you put throughout the page should be H2 or below, and it should kind of go in order. So the first header is H1. The next header you come across should be an H2, and then you can have some subheaders under that H3, H4, whatever, but then you can you then come back around to another H2 maybe later on down the page and then subheaders under that. So just kind of follow a logical structure as you would if you were formatting a Word document or, or anything else. Um, as far as having too many headers, you know, I always, I always fall back on what's going to be the best user experience. So what's going to be most comfortable for someone who's reading a post, ha getting hit in the face with a bunch of headers it's probably not going to be the best experience for someone reading the post. You know, typically uh, a good structure of a post would be, you know, a paragraph or two, a header, a paragraph or two, another header, a paragraph or two, another header, um, uh, that kind to follow that kind of structure. It can be, you can have just an H1 and your whole blog post. You don't even have to have a header if it doesn't make sense in the structure of your post. Um, it, it's not going to make or break you too much. Um, I feel like I would lean more towards having good content than having good headers if if it's one way or the other. I know some people, I, I've seen some people have good results with like making a paragraph be an H2 or something because they're like, I just want to throw all this important information, make it an H2. And sometimes people have, have had good results with that, but I would caution against kind of workaround tricks like that or things that aren't necessarily good good content, but just a trick to get Google to, to rank your page higher. Cause eventually Google's going to catch on to stuff like that, whether they have yet or not. Um, and so if you, if you try to kind of sneak around certain things and, and trick them into, um, uh, you know, ranking your site better, it's probably eventually going to stop working and it might eventually have the reverse effect. They might start penalizing pages that have super long H2s or something like that with lots of words in them. Cause that's, just not very natural looking and you never really encounter something like that in, in an organic, organically written post. So headers are something that's important to pay attention to. I still recommend having a few headers in your, in your content. I still recommend putting your, your target keyword in at least one or two of those headers. Um, but definitely don't go overboard and definitely don't try to stuff your article with too many headers if it doesn't seem natural. And then as far as the title tag um, or the head, the H1 does it make sense to have an H1 header in the body of the blog or should you just leave the title of your blog that you normally put in the example of WordPress that normally is already bolded? 
should you have an H1 in the body or should you start with H2 moving forward on a blog post? Yeah, that's something that, that, that people get confused sometimes because, for example, in WordPress, it depends on the theme you're using. Certain themes, you, you know, you fill in the title in the, in the editor in the back end, and then certain themes will display the title at the top. Certain themes might not display the title. So you have to kind of look at the way the theme presents the post on the front end. And you might even have to inspect the code or talk to your, your webmaster, whoever built the site for you, and see if the title of the blog is actually an H1. Um, if it is, then you typically only want one H1 per page because the H1 is like, it's the headline of the page. That's what right. this whole page is about. Um, so, uh, you know, you just because some people I'll see will add the title again in, in the, the body of the article when typically that's not necessary because the title is already getting displayed um, on the front end. Uh, but yeah, you just want to make sure that the title or whatever is at the top is the H1 and then moving forward below that H2 and below for the rest of the content. Gotcha. So you talked a little bit about this when you were, as far as for the headers, what is the ideal blog length for a particular blog? Because I've heard um, all kinds of, suggestions okay. first they say yeah. it should be at a minimum 500 or 500 words i heard it should be a minimum of 2000 words so that google thinks that it's a full-fledged uh uh blog i've heard that you want to make it short to catch readers attention but at the same time google loves fuller content and users are still going through that many words where do you find a happy medium or if they all work um, when you're trying to figure out what to put in on your blog to make sure that it's the most as, as filling as possible, because like you mentioned before, if we're not subscribing to tech blog builder, like we're trying to do this on our own and we're trying to do the bare minimum because we got 15 million other things to do. <laughs> right. Um, what's a good hearty blog to get away with and presenting that type of information? Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough because you do hear sometimes conflicting information about that and, and it's conflicting information because it, it really depends, right? There's uh, it. The, the biggest thing it depends on is for example, the, the keywords you're targeting in that post, what kind of competition do you have? If you have nobody that's targeting that keyword, then you can get away with having a shorter post for those keywords. But if you have, you know, other people who are targeting that keyword, writing long posts, then you know the really the rule of thumb in in SEO is the longer the better the more content the better you can never really have too much content when it comes to search engines um because uh and there's been studies on this uh Neil Patel did a pretty famous study on this where um he looked at uh you know he's got access to thousands of websites and he can look at the an aggregated list of what does the best um as far as content length and uh, and in his results, it showed that once you get to about two thousand words in length, um, after that, it, it it there's there's not much value. But going up to that, you know, the closer you can get to two thousand words, the better. Two thousand words being kind of like the optimal length uh, to really get the best bang for your buck. But you have to balance that with practicality, right? It's not always practical to write a two thousand word blog post. That's a lot right. of words. That's a lot of content. That, and uh, a lot of times your readers aren't going to be interested in reading that long of a blog post. So even though it's, it's optimal to have a super long blog post, um, 
you can get away with having it uh, be less than that and still have a big bang for your buck, especially if you're targeting keywords, what's called long tail keywords, which are like, you know, uh, like a full key phrase, something like how to fix a broken iPhone screen or um, how to remove blah, 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 malware, or, you know, kind of a longer key phrase that probably not a lot of your competition is targeting. Then you can get away with, you know, having a shorter content, um, for like, for example, tech blog builder, our posts come in right around 800 to a thousand words. And we find that's a good length for, you know, the kind of long tail keywords we're targeting, um, and keeps, keeps the user interested, um, provides enough information. You can get some links in there. You can get some headers in there. You can get some different types of content in there. Um, and it, it, it's a good, healthy kind of length. So, so I like that 800 to 1000, but Hey, if you, you know, have the time to put in and, and knock out that 2000 word blog post or even service page or homepage. Cause really a blog post is just a web page. So any page on your website, if you can get uh, all that content in there, um, it, it can help you more than it can hurt you as far as SEO is concerned. Gotcha. One of the bigger things that I've been looking into is tags on blog posts. One, why should you have a tag on a blog post? And then two, what are some sources or what are some great inspirations on figuring out how to write good tags for your particular blogs? Because when I first started, I just started writing like, you know, security, small business and just stuff like that. But I know that there's an actual art to doing that specifically on navigation for your site. But also there's other reasons why you want to have good tags on your blog for your site. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to throw this out there and be kind of controversial and say that I don't think tags are really necessary um, and probably shouldn't even be used for, for most people listening to this blog post. Um, you know, these days, Google search engines don't really use tags to for, for SEO purposes because it's something that's easily abused. So people can can stuff you know keywords in the tags, and it has could even have nothing to do with the article. But it's so easy to just you know to to fake and and stuff tags that really these days it's really the only purpose to use tags and categories is for for user um, you know user experience, uh, and really those come into play if you're ha- if you're like a news site that publishes dozens of articles a day, and it's hard to find stuff, and people you know want to find a um, all your news stories about, you know, Trump or all your news stories about the wildfires in California or something. Those would be tags that you would put on various stories. And then someone could click that tag and see all the related stories to that particular tag. It could come into play um, if you want to, you know, categorize or tag your posts around certain topics like virus removal or, or you know, um, backups or whatever. And in that case, I would, I would tend towards categories in, in WordPress speak than tags. Um, Because categories, the way they're structured, it's a little bit more organized. And then you have a list of categories that you've created that you can then select if you create a new blog post that fits into another category. It's a little bit easier from that perspective in WordPress. Uh, And I would just skip tags altogether. Um, Tags, you know, these days tags play an important role in like Instagram and, and, you know, social media. But as far as blogs and SEO, they really don't have much impact anymore. And another thing to keep in mind is anytime you tag a post, it creates a separate archive page for that tag that could get indexed. 
and that could end up giving you duplicate content. So you have a post that shows up on your on your blog post, but then you also have that same post showing up on your tag archive page um, and whatever tags you tagged it on. So you can end up having that blog post showing up a bunch of times, and that could end up diluting your SEO over time. So I'd say skip tags, categorize carefully only when needed. Gotcha. And a part B to that really quick is um, how we normally do SEO stuff with the title and the the meta description or meta title and meta description. I can't recur mm-hmm. the phrasing right now. Yep. Normally what I do is just I just re-put the title, uh, pipe, my company name. Um, but should we be treating the meta description similar like we do with the SEO or should we also, would that also fall in the same realm as tags and just leave it alone? And just, if you're going to do categories, do it more for the user-friendly uh, navigation. Yeah. So that, that's a great question. Um, so you're talking about uh, what's called the meta description and the meta title, which is, is information that's stored in the code of your website, but isn't visible to readers. It's only visible to search engines. And really, you know, it's just meant to, to be kind of like a informational backend code to, to let search engines or other crawlers know that, hey, this is the title of this page. Here's a brief description of this page. Uh, more often than not, if you do have those set, that's what Google will use to display on the search results page, uh, the title of your post and the description. Um, so uh, so that's you're really writing the meta title and the meta description for search engines. So sometimes that could differ from the title of your actual blog post. For example, if your blog post title is super long, um, and that's fine if it's, you know, if it's helpful for readers, but um, search engines like more of a concise title. Um, so you can kind of cut out some of the, some of the length uh, or, or extra words in the title and just kind of get your keyword, your business name, maybe a couple other words in the title, uh, because you only have so much real estate on the search results pages anyways. Um, so a lot of times your title will be, get cut off by Google. And if you don't want that to happen, then you can kind of shorten your title to bring everything in and you put that in your meta, your meta title area. And same thing with the meta description, you know, uh, by default, Google will just grab like the first paragraph of your, of your post and put that in the search results. Um, if you want, uh, something else to show up there, then you would write explicitly write a meta description and Google does read the meta description and use that to determine, you know, what your post is about. So, um, for example, if you write a post about, um, uh, I don't know about how to, um, how to, uh, recover files from a hard drive. Um, so your, your keyword would be file recovery, but in the opening paragraph of your blog post, you might be telling a story about a client and you might not actually say the word file recovery until like the third or fourth paragraph, but you want that keyword to show up in the meta description because, that's going to then you know be highlighted if someone searches for the word file recovery in Google. So um, so you want to uh, then craft a meta description that includes the word file recovery in it, just so that not only does Google know that's what the page is about, but also people who see the page show up in search results will know that um, that that's what that article is about as well. Gotcha. All right. As far as white label content. Um, I know that this is a very particular topic that a lot of people talked about in our communities. I know that it's sometimes frowned upon because of search engine results. Other times I hear that, you know, it's content, you're getting it out there and it's filling up your site. So, you know, just put it out there. Um, 
what is your suggestion on white label content specifically, not just on reusing content that were meant for other purposes, but just white label services in general for creating blog content that, that is not custom to your particular site? Yeah. So, you know, um, there are different white label services that provide content that, um, and what that means is, you know, you'll, you'll get some content and that's the same content that every other customer in that service is getting. So, um, that's great for like newsletters and stuff where you're only sending it to your clients. Um, and then your clients are probably not ever going to see, uh, any other, you know, computer services newsletter. Um, so that's fine, but when you when you take this content and put it on your website, um, then you're you're potentially having the same content on your website that dozens, maybe hundreds of other computer businesses have on their website. And um, there's a couple negatives to that. First of all, um, Google uh, detects what's called duplicate content, and so as it's crawling the net and it sees a, a page of content, um, and that page is unique, it's never seen it before. It's like okay. This is a unique page of content. Let me put it in the, in the index. Let me figure out where to rank it and stuff like that. But then as it goes searching through the web and it finds another page on another website that has the exact same content that that other page had, it says, oh, wait a minute, this isn't original content. This is something I've seen before. I might not even index it. I'm not going to bother putting it in the search engine, you know, because it's just duplicate. Um, or I'm not going to rank it very high because it's not authoritative. It's been said before. So I'm just going to kind of toss it aside. So those those pages, unless you are lucky enough to be the first person to publish that content, um, Google's going to see it more likely than not as duplicate and that it's either not going to index it at all, which is the worst case scenario, then that page doesn't even show up in, in Google search engine at all, or it just doesn't rank it very well because you know it. Google wants to show the authoritative piece of content on that particular topic. And if it saw that content before, it's going to think you're just plagiarizing that content and it's not going to show it. So um, if you care about SEO, if you care about these blog posts that you're writing being found by potential clients in search engines, then I would definitely shy away from uh, posting the white label uh, content on your blog. Um, but, you know, the benefits is that if you want this, you just want fresh content to be available on your blog all the time probably mostly to existing clients uh, and you want to be able to send them to your blog and say, Hey, read our latest blog post. We got some great info. Um, if you want something to share on social media uh, and you want it to just be really quick and really, you know, affordable, then um, you know, that might be the way to go. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, personally, I think you can take that white label content and use it in great places like a newsletter or like in social media posts because the actual post in social media um, I see kind of a trend going these days towards longer form content in social media on Facebook and other places where you have like three or four paragraphs in a blog post or in a, in a, in a social media post. And that helps kind of pull the readers in, engage them. Whereas they're typically just scrolling through, you know, the Facebook feed. If they land on like a nice meaty piece of content, they might dig in and they're more, more likely to maybe click a link that you have or follow your, your post or something. So you can take that white label content and make a nice, chunky, thick Facebook post out of it. And then at the bottom say, hey, to learn more about the service, link back to your service page or something like that on your website. So um, that's a great place to use it. But I would recommend against posting white label blog posts on your website. 
Yeah, and you can always, and I was just Googling right now, I couldn't remember the tool, uh, Copyscape. So yep. if you ever are curious on how many sites your blog post is appearing on, that's a good way to just look at that URL and see how many other sites have that p- blog post to give you an idea of how many have that same content, especially if there are those that are in your same um, serviceable area. It might also maybe uh, help you with some credibility as well. Yeah, yeah, I would totally recommend that. Anytime you post new content, whether you get it from a writer or you write it yourself, maybe a couple weeks or a couple months later, run it through Copyscape, number one, to make sure that the writer who's writing it for you isn't copying it from somewhere else. But also, a lot of times, your competitors will maybe grab some some blog posts from you and use them on their site. Uh, and then you can get some visibility into that. And um, and I think we talked about that before on this podcast about yep. like some ways you can, uh, some legal actions you could take to get them to take down uh, any kind of duplicate content like that. Yeah, it actually happened to me. We uh, right. I forgot which show we talked about it. I don't know yeah. if it was the Computer Business Podcast or if it was this one, but yeah, it, it, it was interesting. Uh, first time that ever happened and... It worked out in in my favor, but it was uh, it was really interesting uh, situation. All right, last uh, item I have on the list before we wrap up is proofreading a blog. Is there any like so? If we're deciding we write it all out and we just don't want to sound like fools, is there any <laughs> services or resources other than just like going to like Upwork or something to get a proofreader? Um, what do you suggest on? home created content and making sure that it's the best that it can be. <laughs> That's a good question. I, I don't have a good answer for that. Cause, cause for me um, in the past, I've normally just sent it through a trusted friend or someone who I know, you know, is a good writer or has some training in writing. Um, I have a couple uh, colleagues and, and web designer friends who, who have some copywriting experience. And a lot of times if I have an important piece of, you know, important email or, or blog post or something, I'll have them check it out first. Um, to give me any pointers or or check grammar or stuff like that. I know there's a service, I think it's called Grammarly, um, yep. that I, I haven't used, but I, I know a lot of people swear by it. Where And I think it's like an extension you put in your browser. And anytime you know you have a, a piece of content ready to publish, it'll check you know the grammar, the spelling, and everything um, in that piece of content to make sure it's good before you publish it. Uh, and so that's a cool service to look into as well. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm not sure any other good resources to go to for proofreading. Yeah, that's uh, Grammarly is actually probably one of the best uh, extensions I've found. And yeah, like you said, I swear by it. It's, uh, it's helped me write or correct some funny emails that I was about to send out because I <laughs> my I write how I talk. So yep. it's not really the proper way of getting it set out. Um, so it works out in my favor and then I, I'm just a horrible speller too. So it just kind of takes care of all that. Um, so if you definitely, it's a, fr- there's a free extension of it and then there's a premium version, definitely suggest a premium version for other, uh, connections and integrations that it has. Yep. And I'm a horrible speller and sometimes I'll spell a word wrong, but it'll be right. Like as another word. So it won't get caught by the spell checker, right? It's mm. it's the wrong word because I spelled the word I meant wrong, but it still is a word. <laughs> and so it gets through and, and that's always embarrassing after the fact. So yeah, yep. something like Grammarly can help or just, you know, running it by someone before you publish it. Yep. So uh, yeah, that's what I got so far. Um, I will give you a link on uh, a link I found earlier today. It was a 21 step checklist to optimize your posts for Google. It's an infographic as well. 
Um, but yeah, I think uh, that answered quite a bit of just demystifying some of the things and really, you know, what are the best practices um, to kind of do it on your own. But I am lazy and don't feel like doing that. So you know where <laughs> I'm going to go to and that's going to uh, Tech Block Builder and getting that uh, all set up because this is too much work for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is this was fun, right? Because this is like the stuff I I live and breathe, and I I do a lot of research on and look into, and and I I like doing it, uh, but I don't often get a chance to talk about it with anyone because you know right. friends and family don't care, and uh, <laughs> and so it's it's fun to uh, to be able to talk about this stuff to people who actually you know it's going to make a difference, and and right. people who want to know about it. So awesome! This was fun. Um, great guys. So hey. Uh, Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Great to see you guys in the chat and all the questions you you guys have been a- asking in the chat. Keeping that going. It's great to have you guys participating over there. Um, but also, you can keep the conversation going over at computerbusinessmarketing.com. If you can't join us for the live show, hop on over to the website. Every show episode is there, and every show episode has a comment form underneath where you can leave comments. Uh, you know, say what you liked, what you didn't like, ask questions, all that's available to you at computerbusinessmarketing.com. Also, don't forget to join us in the Facebook group. Um, that's over at Computer Business Marketing. You can uh, just search for Computer Business Marketing in Facebook or go to techsitebuilder.com slash group. And that will take you to the Facebook group where uh, you can, uh, you know, share tips and tricks about what's working for your marketing Um, people, you know, ask advice, they share, you know, Hey, share a blog post you wrote, get some feedback, uh, that that's uh, happened before. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of really smart people in that group that can give you, uh, constructive criticism about anything you're doing. Um, and of course the overall goal is to, to help everybody, um, market their computer business better. We can't wait to see you there. Yep. And if you are listening to the audio version of this show on the podcast, on either iTunes or Stitcher, please be sure to give us a shout out and leave a review. I know we've been doing a pretty big push. We would really appreciate it. We'd love to hear your feedback and every comment helps to that helps so that the podcast can be found by others out there. And finally, don't forget to check out our sponsor for today. Uh, that is Tech Blog Builder at techblogbuilder.com. All right, guys, thanks for checking out this episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. My name is Matthew Rodella. And this is Paco LeBron saying, Here's to your success. Mm-hmm.